Welcome to the Process Podcast. From new agent to broker owner. My name is Travis McClure. This is my co-host, Preston Guyton. Welcome to the Process Podcast. Preston, how are you doing today? Good, man. Doing great. Did you get those miles in today? Three and a half miles this morning. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Preston, we have a great guest today. His name is Martin Pettigrew, owner of Monarch Roofing the Reva initiative and recently has written a book called the roofing machine. Martin, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. And, and I think uh, we came up, Patrick, you and I with a new name for, for uh, Preston, Preston Guy, uh, uh, Goggins. Is that, does that sound fair? Yeah. I call him Preston, Preston Goggins. Now he's, <laughs> he's found his newfound passion for running. He signed up Not- for a half marathon. And I think within a year he's going to be hooked, and and uh, he and I are going to do an ultra marathon. Nope, I think none, no, no newfound passion for me. <laughs> it was terrible this morning. It'll be terrible tomorrow. So, but you committed to it. Yeah, I got to do it now. I love it. I love it, Martin. So, tell us about you. So, you and Preston know each other. You guys kind of go way back. How, how do you and Preston know each other? Yeah, we, we, it, through construction. And just to let you know, he said he told me yesterday he's going to run the half marathon in October. So I signed up as well. So he's a great influencer on me uh, to everything I've done in my life. Introduced me to a lot of great, great, great mentor, a lot of great uh, software and things like Follow Up Boss that we implemented last uh, couple years ago. So we, we no present since 2012, I think. Ten. Ten. Yes, beginning of uh, before things. before you could speak English, <laughs> <laughs> I still can't. So, <laughs> well, t- tell us that story. Um, obviously, you grew up a French Canadian. Yep. And I and I, we were talking a little bit before we recorded. I went to college in Plattsburgh, New York. So we're right, I've, I went to college right on that border where uh, a lot of French Canadians come down, and and as college kids, we would go up right because the the young drinking age up there. And uh, is it still a young drinking age up there? Yeah, Quebec is uh, is eighteen, and the rest of the country is nineteen. Yeah. So tell us the story. What? How did you from Quebec? How did you get to the United States? Uh, great question. Uh, long story short, uh, Travis, I started. Uh, I played a lot of uh, golf when I was growing up, and I got an opportunity to move away from home when I was thirteen years old. Um, practicing, I started playing golf at twelve, but I. I uh, qualified to play golf and his school was incredible we only had school in the morning from uh 8 30 to 11 30 and every afternoon we play golf or sports it was golf it was hockey any sports you can imagine so the environment i don't know if you ever read the book outliers i have read uh malcolm gladwell right yes yeah unbelievable but he's talking about the environment with kids growing up talk about hockey in canada but that's how it was i really like when i read the book I'm like this is it was me because the environment was so perfect to be become be good at any sports um, and then I got a scholarship to play golf in the uh, United States. That was my dream growing up. And I got a scholarship to play golf at an NCAA Division One, which was even better than I could have ever expected. Uh, but I had one problem. I didn't speak English. So I was really good at golf. I moved away again. It was five hours away from my hometown when I was 13. So kind of gradually understood what it was like to be on my own at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I had a host family and everything was fine. But uh, and then I'd, I was an exchange student to to learn English for one year. And then I went to college. And then after that, I moved to, to Myrtle Beach. Where did you go to college? Where was that? Uh, St. Francis University in Pennsylvania. Okay. Right. So you got there and didn't know any English at all? Uh, I went to high school first. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know any English at all then. It was, uh, yeah, French Canadian. My mom, my dad don't speak any English. I mean, I, 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 I'll take it back. I had some English from school. Okay. What did you do to like refine that? Like, how did you, I'm always fascinated when people learn, because obviously it's like almost like your prime, it's your primary language now, right? 
So how did you, what did you do to learn English? What was your, what was your. Don't pick on me. <laughs> I'm still learning for sure. I think one of the biggest advantage was to be in the environment. Again, it all goes back to this. And I think leadership, you can talk about this, how we can provide tools to succeed in environment, leadership to your, your team to grow. And I think that's one of the most important part. Uh, when you're surrounded with people that only speak English, I need to communicate with people, right? So I had to force myself uh, to speak English. But every night, I remember I was in high school, every night I would go home, I would be so exhausted because my brain was just trying to understand every single words. But being in an environment helped a lot. And college was very uh, helpful, even though I still have an accent, but I was able to understand the words, like uh, how they spell so I can pronounce them better. Like right now, and I don't think I get an accent, I'm starting thinking about it now, but it's going to be worse. But I don't feel, I don't know what words I'm not saying properly. Right. So, but college was really helpful because once you start reading, understanding and writing, then my English got 10 times better. That, you know, you hear that a lot too, like immersion, like full immersion is, is the best way to learn. You know, you hear people going to like, they're in college and then they go to, you know, countries where they speak a different game, different language. And, and that's where they learn the most. Yeah, my, my brother did this actually. He did, uh, I think it was three weeks in Fredericton in Canada. He speaks only French and he was there three weeks. He came back and he speaks as good as English as I did. Oh, that's incredible. And then, so so you got to Myrtle Beach. What year was that, Martin? Uh, 2006, 2007. About the same time I moved to Myrtle Beach. Yep. And uh, what did you do when you got to Myrtle Beach? What would that look like? So I was still all minded for golf. My whole life at that point for the last almost eight years was just golf, golf, golf. So I moved here for golf. I was working at Pine Lakes, the, uh, the, the, the grandfather, the granddaddy, sorry. Granddaddy. Yeah. <laughs> the granddaddy for, you know, for a while. And then, you know, Travis, I was making six ninety an hour working the golf course, parking carts, and even working inside the pro shop. I was broke. I couldn't make means. So I had to get a second job. And my passion for, um, and I really, this is a little bit language for, for leadership. I know Preston, you're big on this, but my passion for the, the the goal was not there anymore golf i knew i could not make it to the pga tour mm. and my goal was to play golf in the united states in college i've done that already and i didn't really have another vision for my golf game so i was kind of lost for about a year um so i had to make means so i started working at night parking cars um at a local club here and then I would see these guys, Travis, they would park, they had this nice Hummer, this F-250 diesel, that's 2007 when yeah. the economy was really good. Right. And I started hanging out with them, asking them what they were doing. They were all contractor. They were siding, drywall, anything construction. And I, it got me out of curiosity. I'm like, how are you so successful? Like, to me, it was like, they were rock stars. They have so much money. They're doing so well. Yeah. And I can barely pay my rent because I'm making 690 plus parking cars a night, working two jobs. I don't play golf anymore. You know, just work all the time. And uh, they were all contractor. And then, what I couldn't understand, I said, how can you be at the club till two, three in the morning? And I don't know too much about construction then, you know, like you, Preston, you don't have a construction background, right? Um, so I didn't understand much, but I knew that contractors start early and they finish real late at night, right? So I'm like, okay. So I asked him, how do you get up in the morning? And that's that was my first trigger to create fuel uh, in my life or my mission. They said, um, we don't care if we get up in the morning or serve people, because if we get fired from the job, we'll go to another one. We'll find another roofing, uh, another contractor to work for, because there's so much work out there. Yeah. That's 2007. That's like the old saying, good markets create bad habits. Yeah. And they were, they were showing up with a bicycle in 2009. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The economy crashed and all those guys, they all disappeared. Everybody was coming to club. Again, we hear this in, in. Uh, and roofing, like big uh, state that have a lot of uh, storm damage, they'll do so well. There's so much like Colorado right now. They're going through this a little bit. It, it, they get so used to go through storm. It's almost easy. It's so right. much work held and insurance pays for it. When it stopped, now it's been two years since having really a major storm. 
So they're all like starting to do other things to do solar, but they're not as active. Like the, the brain gets lazy a little bit. Are they, do you still have those companies that travel a lot when there is a storm? Cause I know that happens storms. here. Like, like, you know, basically storm chasers for roofing. Yeah, there, there was a lot. I was very popular for a long time, but I think it's going away a little bit. Uh, there's still some, um, but I think the model is great, but it's it's not sustainable. That's yeah. the problem. Your turnover is really high. Unless you can keep finding salesmen to door to door, and it's it's not sustainable. It's interesting as you see that same pattern in real estate, right? Real estate, I think we're coming out of uh, a time where it was quote unquote easy. Business came to agents very easily, right? People basically knocked on agents' doors to do business with them. Now agents are in a position where you have to go find people, right? You have to like proactively have those conversations. And I think that's where agents start to struggle. And you've, you've been in real estate long enough, Preston, oh, yeah, you've seen sure. those patterns. Yeah. And it's funny that that same pattern happens across other businesses. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when money gets too easy to make and, and they don't, you know, it's not built on like, like patterns and, and consistency. And then all of a sudden that goes away and they got to go back and do the things they've never done. A majority of them won't do it. Right. And it doesn't matter what business you're in, whether you're in real estate, roofing or whatever. I mean, when it comes easy, you know, and you hear that phrase, easy come, easy go. Right. You know, whether it's money, business or whatever, if if you're not willing to put in the work, it, it won't come back. I think, you know, <clears throat> that's a great point. And when we started, that was kind of the, the mission to start was I had nothing. Right. So it was like I always it's it was so hard. It was so many hours and it's always hard. But the reflex we got from the first couple of years and losing money and being a disaster. I don't know if I could have done it with a family or it was just me. So my, my cost was really low. But the reflex I got like I can't like I'm wired for it now. It's hard to undo it a little bit. So, yeah, we like actually this. I remember um, firing uh, Martin one time. <laughs> see, he originally was Monarch Construction before reefing. And you frame one house for me. I'm oh, like, yeah, you're never right. ever framing the house for me. You'll do every single roof I ever build, but you never frame the house for me. And you're like, I'm not framing anymore anyway. Yeah, we're done. It, it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, and it was the same thing, right? Finding good framers and keeping them employed and, and you know, finding good help. And, and that know, was what, for, 2010? Just give you an idea for, for roofing, and this is, is a sound a little crazy, but framing and drywall and painting, if you want to scale it, it's a little harder because- mm-hmm. A contractor, homeowner, they come and see the drywall, the paint is done, they can pick out things, right? So we always have to come back and I always had to come back to inspect the property and homeowner, they were like, Martin, I need to see you, you know, and framing is complicated because you have a lot of straps, bolts, every home oh, yeah. is different. And it takes a lot longer. And roofing, you know, with GAF, like the manufacturer, you can get a warranty from the manufacturer, you don't have to worry about me. And then really, um, when's the last time you saw owner go on the roof, right? So yeah. I hate to talk like this, but quality is the number one priority. It's got to be done properly, but we're professionals. So we want to do it right. So we can scale that. That's a, I think that's why roofing, I don't know if you hear things like this, but it's getting attractive for a lot of uh, companies from outside. There's a lot of private equity coming in right now, yeah. especially with technology. The uh, roof measurements is done a lot easier. Done. We can do zoom right now with like follow-up boss uh follow-up inside sales is becoming a big thing so it the, the, the country is shrinking really rapidly we've never yeah. seen that before so so basically by trial and error error in the uh construction industry you kind of found your niche in, in roofing yeah and that's something that again i look up for Preston for a long time because he taught me a lot of different things to like i didn't really have any mentors and that's something that i, I love millennials for that okay because a lot of people talk trash on mm-hmm. millennials, but I love because they're so interested and uh, they want to learn so much. They do. 
uh, when we do event with Riva, like there's so many young people, they're there, like, please tell me, please tell me. Back then, I was like, no, I'll do it myself. I'll figure it out, you know. And and if you're trying to get information locally, it's hard because they're competitors. Like they might tell you some things, but they're not really going to tell you everything. Right. Uh, with Preston, it was awesome because we went in different trades. He wanted me to be better because, like, Martin, I need you to do my roof better and be, become a better business person so I can don't have to worry about the roof anymore. So he was helping and, um, that was great, but going to events was probably the most important part of uh, of my growth. Is to how do you learn? You learn from books you read and um, people you meet. That's and, right. And a lot of books from Traction Rocket Fuel that you introduced me to. Mm -hmm. That um, I built business a, little, a lot of, around it. E Myth. So go taking a step back a little bit in your your story. You were parking cars. You saw these guys going out a bit, staying out too late. The economy shifted. And how'd that attract you to start a roofing business? So it was it was to serve. And I think um, a lot of people, and back then, I could not be like, I want to make money. It could not have been that. It had to be a mission. And I think it relates to everything we're doing right now. Yeah. Like Because if you're just trying to make money in your real estate right now, you're probably on, a, on an mm -hmm. island somewhere, right? Because it's, right. it's, it it's, it's been it, pretty easy. You right? think about it this way, and, and I shared this in one of the previous podcasts. You know, like for me, I just focus on making an impact. Mm -hmm. The money will come. Like for a long time, I chase money. And you're never going to catch money. But when you focus on impacting people, the money always comes. And, and you know, like Reva Impact, I'm sure that's taken off for you. That started in what, December? Yeah, it's been in the making for three years. It used to be, uh, we started like with Monarch Brands, it was called. So our goal three years ago was to create a franchise of Monarch yeah. Roofing and spread it across the country. But then by late last year, we're like, all right, are we being selfish right now? Because the process works, um, the procedure works, the mission, and we can really impact, we can duplicate it now. But if I do one place at a time, it takes um, too long. It takes too long, but it's not, I'm not really serving. The mission is to get homeowners where they deserve the best installation, warranties, and services. So it's the same mission with Riva, except I can talk to hundreds of contractors. I can go to 50 states. So it's the same mission, but it's 10x now. Um, and it's not, again, if it was about the money, like we're fine on money. Like we have three locations. It's awesome. Charleston is right there. We could go to Charleston. There's other location, but I think there's a bigger mission there than just money. So, so with Riva, is it basically you took roofing and, and made it like a franchisable system? Is that, is that, is that what the mission behind Riva is? Yeah. We're, we got a lot of success by implementing the structure, um, the process procedure training and the uh, recruiting process it is it, we made it as, as a science basically. So we can create, Hilton End was based on this. Wilmington's the same thing. Myrtle Beach is 95% that as well because it was already existing. So it's hard to completely change in the business that's already existing. Uh, but it's duplicable now. So we beta tested in three locations. So it's working. And we went like our sales went from 17 million three years ago. We did 17, 17, then 25 and 43 million last year. So by the implementation of the structure, the proper structure, process, procedure, recruiting, uh, it's exploding. That's great. So, and, and I think that's, that's wild to think about. So you started a business, basically I, I say the start of your business was parking cars and, and meeting these people. Yeah, you're right. That you, was the trigger. You got into a construction business and you'd never done construction before. No background in, in, in roofing construction. Um, I heard you talk about a story of the first roof you did. Tell me that there's a metal yeah, roof. First, uh, first metal roof. Yes. Uh, lesson learned, you know, like it's, it was not glamorous, man. People would say like, wow, man, you did this. I want to start my roofing company. I'm like, it's going to be a lot of pains to start a business, but it was really painful for a lot of years. And it really took us four years to realize that we just want to do roofing. Um, <laughs> find a one thing, another great book that you, uh, 
got me to, to read by Gary Keller, the one thing. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the first roof, it's a metal roof. I'm all excited, Travis. I'm calling my brother in Canada. He's a pharma school rep. He's doing very well in Canada. And my, him and my mom call me like, Mark, why don't you move back to Canada? Like, you can be a rep. You love golfing. You can just play golf with doctors all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like it. But I, I'm like, I think I see a little light in the tunnel with this construction thing. There's a big miss. There's a big need and a void in the industry. So, um, and then we get this job, $33,000. So excited. It's uh, in Conway. And we get the job done. Again, I call my brother. I'm like, bro, we just hit the jackpot. That's it. You know, I figured it out. It cost us $38,000. Labor material only, no overhead and gas and everything else to get it done. So I had to work a lot more nights. And then, but it it taught me a lot of things. I knew after that job how to measure, um, well, properly metal roof, but how to price metal roof and how to build a relationship with suppliers. Because now I had to go see suppliers that have no money. Like you can do whatever you want, but if you put like, uh, if you put a lien or anything, like I don't, I, I got own nothing. So, but we start making payments every week from from parking cars at night. Every Monday we come by and, uh, you know, just it, it helps a lot of uh, uh, how to connect with people and build a relationship. I loved your, your outlook. When I heard you tell that story, it, that it was a lesson, right? Basically it was a $5,000 lesson that you then took and say, hey, you know, I'm never going to let that happen again. And I think a lot of people, they get into business and they hit something like that and they get frustrated and that's when, that's it. They throw their hands up and that's the white flag and, hey, I got to go do something else. You took that and said, no, this is a lesson. I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to get better at what I do. And I think that was, I thought it was pretty cool to hear you tell that story, that that was really, that was, that's what it made you do. In Travis pushing one step further, I think business is like this. Like if if it's really hard to get in, like right now we see solar, it's a little bit difficult to get in. I don't know if you heard a little bit about, but a lot of companies are trying to get in, but it's so hard to pull permits. You need engineering. You need uh, so many things. Nap said, there's so many barrier of entry. I like it. I'm like, okay, that's where I want to be. If there's a need customer one solar and then it's really hard to get in. You know, we talk about like, and I'm going to relate to roofing. I don't know if it's like this in real estate, but some states in the country they don't rely they don't you don't need a license to do roofing so you can have, you don't need a like here you need a state license you need a business license locally but a state license you got to go with some tests so there's a little bit of a barrier of entry for roofing but imagine if you're a realtor you can sell whatever you want to everyone but some state are like this same thing in real estate or some people argue that the barrier of entry is too low in real estate. I've definitely yeah, heard that. Yeah, say. I mean, every every state you have to be licensed. The the um, the difference is like South Carolina is one of the lowest as far as the amount of hours you got to have to become licensed. Like for me, like growing easy home search, I've I've gotten licensed in Georgia. Looking at getting licensed in Virginia to get licensed in Virginia, I got to do so many extra hours. Ohio, Ohio, I think is 150 hours, where South Carolina is 60. Oh, I need uh, to do that in Ohio. You have to. You have to actually travel to do it. No way. Yeah, 150 hours. Yeah, it's not 100. It's 150 to get it. So I think okay. the additional hours is roughly 90. Um, and I think that you can do it in phases, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's there's too many uh, other states. There's too many other states. Like, you know, next we'll go to Florida and then Virginia and Tennessee, and those those are easier to get into. Where you know Ohio was more of kind of a being in that market because there's a lot of people that buy from Ohio down here. So that was the whole idea there, but no, we're not, we're not yeah. doing that anytime soon. You know, that's a little bit like uh, the follow-up boss uh, introduction to us. It took me almost a year to master it because it's all for real estate, right? I yeah, love sure. that. It took us six months to get all our templates in there to understand it. Another six months to master it because some of the automatic. And, was and, not and then, then do you still have it mastered? Coming in and saving him, what happens? <laughs> 
yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he introduced me to a few new things like oh I, could, I didn't know we could do that but yeah but it's it's i know nobody else has spent the time to do it there's no way if you're business it's so hard if you're business owner and you're working in your business you don't have time I sp- the only reason why i was able to do that because we had a job manager on all the, the location myrtle beach elton and wilmington so my job was to build that follow-up bus yeah if not it's impossible and nobody else could really I'd done it. I couldn't have hired somebody from the outside because the templates, I knew the process so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's same, you know, it relates to like SEO and building websites and doing things like that. Like somebody asked me yesterday, they're like, why don't you hire somebody else to do these things? I'm like, because one, they don't care as much as I do and they don't know how to do it. And for me to train somebody and teach somebody, and that's why I get up at 4 a.m. is to do those things in the morning. And, you know, when you do that compound that day after day, week after mm-hmm. week, I mean, those hours, it's it would be impossible for me to hire somebody to do it you know i think it's key with both of you guys um preston you do a good job because you hire people that are good at what you're not yeah and i think you have a lot half as a business owner as a visionary you have to have a lot of self-awareness and most a lot of people don't have that right well in trusting somebody else to do it you know um, we always say delegate and elevate you know you delegate duties to people and then you elevate their position so, you know, being able to do that and, and pick leadership, you know, when we started Palms, it was early on, we wanted head of agent training and development. You know, then you came along and, and Josh and Nick were like, oh my God, we're hiring all these positions and we just opened three months ago, mm-hmm. whatever. But you hire for six months from now, not for today. You know, so you look at where you want to be and you hire. And it might be when you look at like your PL and you're like, oh God, I'm hiring this amount of salary and, and this thing right now. But you look at that, like the salary, you're not paying all that out at once. So when you're planning and planning for growth, you got to look at where you want to be in six months, 12 months, two years and hire based on where you're going, not where you are today. Right. Yeah. Maybe a few years that a lot of employees make more than you. And that's how it was for the longest time. And, and we didn't get to, like you're saying, hiring people that are better. It was like, wait, I'm giving you numbers. Like it was really a five, six million that were like, all right, I really need somebody that's really good at this. Then we could afford them because before that there's not enough, there's not, there's really no no money, but unless you get a loan or something else, but yeah, it's a hard work. You yeah. I mean, the learn. same thing with CRG. When I started CRG, I didn't have loans. I, you know, I just you did, yourself, le- right? yeah, learned estimating, had those bad experiences building houses and lost money on, you know, and go to the next one and, and, and learn a lesson. So when you jump in like that and you don't know, I mean, you got to learn estimating, you got to learn all those things. I remember when we got our first oceanfront, big oceanfront. It's fine. Say, like you didn't do like yeah. small homes, no, Rand, $10 million dollar he, homes. Randy Hall's house, which was, you know, I think we started building that in 2010. And that was our first oceanfront house that was 6,500 heated square feet, you know, nine or 10,000 under roof. On stilts. Yeah. On pilings. So, Martin, so you started the company basically out of the trunk of your car. Um, you started learning a little bit, found your your niche in, in roofing, and then you started to take a turn in your business. I've heard you say it here, and I've heard you say it other times, where you just wanted to start to differentiate yourself because roofing is competitive, right? There's a lot of people in that industry. Talk about that. Like, what did you do to start to separate from the pack? Like, where did you really start to focus where you felt most roofing companies weren't? Okay, well, first, when you say, like, I started on my car, like, when we started, I was literally looking up to the guy who was a chuck in the truck with a magnet, and like, man, I want to be like this one day, because 
before I met you, I had a Cadillac. So I was Marty in a caddy. So I was starting <laughs> from the bottom of the bottom, right? So the goal was to be Chuck in the truck. I <laughs> yeah, like, wow. So it, we, I started from nothing. So we can learn. And that's that's a gift, really, to learn. It's hard. And people will say, like, they all, everybody wants easy button, right? We, right? we built for this or brains wired for this. We want to make do what's... That's why we don't like to work out because it's, well, am I going to have enough energy to make it through the day? That's your brains trying to survive, right? Yeah. So um, to to change that, but yeah, that was the, the beginning. Um, differentiators, man, that that's a great question. You know, trying to do something, learn from from other companies, and and I remember the first, um, the 2012 when I when I met you, um, we interview all the the manufacturer for roofing to select one. It was well, we interview five, and GAF was so incredible. Um, the manufacturer because when we, we we met with the, the rep, he started talking about the warranties we can do a 50 year non prorated for the homeowner. And there was nobody in the area really that was doing it, except for one big roofing company, Span. That was like there were 25 million then. It's probably more now, but um, they were doing it. Like my gosh, I want to become like them. So we got to start somewhere. You can. I'm like, I want to be different. Than everybody else, you have to look up somebody that's doing it better. See, okay, how can I get to that level? Right. So we can pass it. Um, but like, just I think one of the biggest things is professionalism, and it still goes to today. It doesn't change like the way level one, the way you look, your truck, your your guys, all similar, the mission, the core values. Um, to in, in in really the inside sales revolution through that that that's a big thing. Estimating inside sales and outside sales. I don't see many companies doing this because we can be so bit like the approach of uh, Jeff Bezos. Right, it's customer obsession through innovation and long term decision, but. We're so much faster than, and I, I know I'm not, there's other companies that are really fast too, but we focus on being faster. We don't want to do, I'm going to meet with you and I'm going to check your roof, measure your roof. And then tomorrow I'll come back and present you an estimate. And then you go call me back to see if you want to go with us. I want to meet with you and give you an estimate right away. So we don't waste time. Time is so valuable for everybody. Right. So really shrinking the time period from the call in to the estimate. Well, you do, you eliminate, I assume, and my, my thought is you eliminate competition by taking away that time. Yeah. And people don't want to meet three, four, especially with COVID happened. Like they don't want to meet three, four contractor. They want to meet one contractor. You're about my price range. I like you. Your warranties are awesome. I'm going with you. You can build trust rapport with you. Um, that made a big difference uh, uh, for us, for sure. And the, uh, I heard this before. Uh, they said the under promise and over deliver. Yes. We say, okay, let's overpromise and overdeliver by doing the super service of inside sales. And that's what you guys are preaching. That's what you're practicing with inside sales. There's so many touch with homeowner before we get to even meet the person, create a lot of celebrity effect. By the time our salesman come to your door, you're like, hey, man, how you been? Like, just when I saw you this morning, like, hey, Travis, how are you doing? Yeah. But I've never met you before. Like, uh, it's because of the podcast you have, right? Right. But you you got this into my mind. So we overpromise. Like, people were already feeling like we're, we're and then, the production comes in and then we'll deliver. You got to do the right production. And, and, you know, the one thing that I'll say about Martin is they've always focused on customer experience, you know, being going above and beyond. Like that was really, you know, early on folks. So when you were going out and meeting with the people and, and doing all those things, it was always about customer experience. And, and like you said, over, over delivering on that customer experience. So I think that's, you know, obviously roofing is, how do you separate yourself? I think early on, that's what it was, the relationships you built, not only with homeowners, with contractors, you know, a great person, a great individual. And, you know, when, when people talk to you, you're, you're humble and, and just delivering on that customer experience, I think was, you know, something early on that started separating yourself. And then obviously as that grow and evolved, you know, your company's evolved as well. 
I think that's pretty interesting too. I mean, that, that correlates with real estate quite a bit too, because you got to think, I, I always focus on like, what are human needs? And one of them is certainty. And where people get frustrated with salespeople or service people is they have to call the service person to get an answer or like, Hey, Martin came and saw me and I never, I didn't hear from him for a week. Right. And so you've eliminated that by, Hey, I have these people that are going to reach out to them throughout the whole process and keep them in the loop of what's going on in their house. And I had a realtor ask me this question last week, like, Hey, a closing got delayed. It's got delayed for a week. These people were getting super frustrated. And I said, well, slow down for a second. Think why they're getting frustrated. They're frustrated because there's a lot of uncertainty in their life right now. What you can do as a realtor, whether you have the answer or not, just start over communicate, like literally communicate with them every single day. Even just, if you don't have the information, just check on it. Takes. Yeah, just, just check on it. Takes. It's just, just communication is, is when you don't communicate and you hide from confrontation, which is really not confrontation. Usually if you communicate, you're going to, you're not going to have confrontation because they understand like most people, they understand things happen, you know, and right. as long as you communicate every day and, and you see it even more so in the mortgage business like with things happening and everything else, as long as you communicate and communicate daily, and like I said, over-communicate, those issues won't come up. It's when you hide and, you know, don't answer the phone calls and don't answer the text messages, you know, and go to go to your broker, be like, oh my God, what do I just talk to them. Right. That's all you got to do is talk to them. And 99% of the time, it'll be okay. Yeah, I, I even told that agent, I said, even if you don't have an update, just say, hey, is there anything I could do for you? Is there anything yeah. that you guys need in the meantime? That right there, you're eliminating where people get frustrated is when I have to go call Martin to find out what's going on with my roof. Yeah. That's no, what people get frustrated. What are you doing today? I'm just helping you for your closing. That's all I'm doing today. I just yeah. want to let you know that, right? Yeah. Pay attention to them. People know you care. In, in roofing, like uh, uh, we have this big problem, we're exactly what you're talking about. But a lot of times we say like, it's not a, it's not a people problem, it's a system problem. Mm -hmm. So our outside salesmen were so busy. There's so many people they're meeting and then they're on the roof. So you can't pick up your phone when you're on the roof. You come mm -hmm. off the roof, you meet on water for an hour. You cannot pick up your phone and do text message, email. So they would get back home let's say seven, eight o'clock at night, they get an email, text, get some information. They have the team is not working anymore. The estimators are not in. They can't get the estimate. So the inside sales solve so much follow-up and then just getting little things done. So the crumbs, we call it, they don't accumulate at the end of the day. But I don't know, do you real estate, I know you do this with a little bit with uh, um, your process with inside sales or somebody that can keep the, this on or is it really Yeah, no, no. So with us, inside sales is, you know, there's qualifying things that they got to get before they pass them off to an agent. It's on the front uh, end. It's almost on the market. Front side. end, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But then if... You got to think about it though. Most online buyers buying in our market, a lot of times they start searching 18 months before they buy, like on average. So when you have somebody in inside sales that kind of can reach out, answer those questions that aren't realtor questions that have to go to a real estate agent, you know, they could be um, information on the area or, or just more simple questions. But we also need to understand that people that don't live real estate every day, they don't know these things that a lot of times we think everybody knows because we live it, breathe it every single day. So yeah, that's what they do. They take care of a lot of those questions before they need to go to an agent. And when they're handed off to an agent, you know, they're, they're qualified, they're ready to go. A lot of times buying within, we've had some come in buying within a week, you know, or some come in buying in three months or six months, whatever. Is there it is. such things like when it's getting to the outside realtor, I call that like outside because you'll feel a bit more. Mm -hmm. You have somebody that works inside with a, a team. I know that I've seen teams in real estate agent. Is that yeah. something or it's really yeah. they can handle everything? Well, we have, so our inside, we have an inside sales manager who basically hands off. So they're, they're kind of the one that hands off between the inside sales and, and the realtor. So they're the one that's in that, in that phase of it. 
Um, but no, as far as teams, I mean, that's like, you mean like real estate teams? Yeah. Like, uh, let's say I ain't give you a lien. So mm-hmm. you're, out, you're the person that you're the agent. Mm-hmm. So now you go see an homeowner, you give him some, you let's go see, check out like a five house. I want to show you today. Let me go show you five homes. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that happens all the time. Your phone keeps ringing your text message. Do you have somebody internal that would be like, okay, I'm going to handle <laughs> I all mean, the rest. Well, usually, I mean, realtors aren't on, you know, eight, 12 pitch roofs so, you know it's not it's not <laughs> as yeah it's, it's not as dangerous for them to send a text message or you know if they their, their phone's probably on vibrate or whatever they look at it and somebody's called it's not bad for them to say to the client hey i need to step away for a minute and make a phone call do you mind and most times clients will be like no we don't mind um so yeah it's a little bit different because they're not you know they're, they're not strapped to a roof or have harnesses on and everything else um but the, the inside sales more helps on the front end Love it. Martin, I've heard you use the phrase. I've heard Preston use it too. So we're going to discuss it. Take the con out of contract. I came from him. Okay. Okay. That's, that was my first question because I've heard both of you guys use the phrase. I had to know who originated it, but talk about what, what's that mean to you and how, how did you apply that to your business? Yeah. And then looking back, that's a little bit of story about working at night and working uh, the golf courses. Like these guys were not doing what's right, you know, so really taking the con out of contractor. I want to, I don't want, I want only have great contractors in the industry. I think it's certainly like when I'm thinking about, okay, imagine if that contractor would go see and uh, give an estimate to my mom, like, oh my gosh, that cannot happen. This guy's going to be out. And it's kind of crazy to talk about fuel, Travis. Like if, I don't know, if it got, whenever I was going to the office, when we had an office, because when I met you, I was out of my apartment, but when I was driving to the office, I would see cars in the road. I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody else is waking up before me. So tomorrow I'm going to be 10 minutes earlier, 10 minutes earlier, 10 minutes earlier. So like, if you go to the office at 530, there's not many people in the office, right. Right, on the road. So, but the same thing, I have this feeling, it doesn't matter who I see that's a roofing contractor, they're good or not, but especially the ones that are like the truck in the truck, we'll say. <laughs> but every time I see one, I'm like, gosh, guys, we got to get so much better because this person must have sold the roof because he's still in business. So there's something we got to do better. There's something we got to do better. Um, so it's fuel to, to me um, to keep going hard. So you view, I feel like you view competition as a healthy thing, right? Yeah, but it's fuel for sure. sure. Like in, I know we can never like this, this thought to have no competitions impossible, uh, you know, right. and it's probably healthy here, this, but I don't, I don't really care about this. I just use it as my fuel. Like, okay, what are they doing to be better? Cause they're, they're obviously doing something. Same thing with uh, GAF. There's some uh, events every year. It's called the, the, the wealth builder. So it's all master league contractor, the best of the best with GAF. And we get all together. They're all different, but every person that's there does something special that they're probably doing better than you. Cause they're the elite, even though the business can be smaller or bigger, it doesn't matter. So you can learn for, from others. Um, and that's something that's really huge for us too, <laughs> is like to get out of this little fishbowl. Yes. And and see other companies across the country. I mean, that's been huge for me through the years, getting out of this fishbowl and seeing, you know, because most people need to see it to believe it. Like, you know, if I'm, I'll just do it, but most people need to see it to believe it. And, you know, getting outside of this market and going to other markets and like you said, going to this, I mean, there's probably roofing companies that are doing what, over a hundred million? Yeah, yeah. This you know, so for sure you know, seeing those things and seeing what's possible and understanding what's possible, then you come back to your market and try to implement those things and, and, you know, look at growing and continue to grow. Well, talk about company culture, Martin. One thing I saw, obviously I do a lot of research on people before they come on the show. Um, I saw where you did a thing. 
I guess you have employees that have their own vehicle within the company, right? I saw a thing where some of them are wrapped specifically to like you put a, a the monarch roofing wrapping on them, but it's but it's also like personalized to that employee. Talk about that because I thought that was like one of the coolest things I saw. So Travis, if you had one, it would have army on it. And yeah, have somebody yeah. run the marathon. Heck yeah, yeah. yeah that's so what that, I, that I, I'm gonna bring. It'd be me flexing <laughs> on your truck. Yeah, like yeah, I'm gonna bring this idea to Preston for my palms mobile. But, uh, <laughs> but talk about that because I thought that was really cool. And like, what made you do that? Why do you do that? All right. So like, okay, so step on branding, step one, we keep the, the Monarch Roofing logo is still there as the same. There's a lot of resemblance with all of them, uh, but we have some special addition. Like you said, like if there's one employee that's a Marine, we're going to wrap it into a Marine theme or army, uh, whatever the, the branch was. Uh, to honor our heroes, really big on this. We do roof of troops, get any roofs. Uh, every single branch donates at least one roof every year to veteran. And it's not even a veteran in need. It's just say thank you. Like you need a Travis, you need a roof. We're going to put you in, in, the um, area to, to get a new roof it's not because a lot of veterans they don't really ask for anything right right uh, very proud it's different generation we call them but they're they're um, amazing men so um but yeah we'll do different wrap um very specific for each person each truck has something different they look the same from if you go see them fast but they're always something different but to relate to the culture okay we said People don't, you don't, they don't work for you. You work for them. Mm -hmm. So I want to honor our employees that work hard. Let's build something that's special. Again, it's not about me. I'm not ego. I don't need any attention. Um, and it, I don't know too much about hormones, but I read this. It's called oxytocin. So he said, if something that is, uh, it creates a, a normal, if you can have some emotion, it creates energy into the, the human body and the bonding between two people. So I'm keep thinking about Stephanie because we wrap her. That's the one I saw. Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> we wrap her SUV and it was her, but our mom was going through cancer. So they made a pack about the uh, dragon uh, fly. So they had dragonfly on her uh, tattoo on himself because it's a, um, a sign of hope. Mm -hmm. So we wrap her, it was her on, on the side and like a, um, a cartoon character with the dragonfly. And then when she saw that like this, she's going through a very emotional uh, part of her, her life. She, she, got, she got in tears, it was very emotional. And again, when you can do this with your employees and they're not 10 and nine, right? They're all employees. Uh, the bond that's created to the company, to what we're doing, the passion, it's, you know, it, it fuels. And then again, we can fulfill the mission. A mission still, we got to provide on what it deserve the best. If we believe that our duty, because we know we, we believe we're better than anybody else, our duty is to sell roof. So whatever we can do to create more momentum for the company to increase sales, there's more opportunities for everybody to grow within the company. Right. So we can create more opportunities. And, and again, if we can fuel people, you can get the right people on, on the board. It's on, on the bus. It's great. But we got to keep it going. Um, and that, that, work for us every single one of them there's never been one that, that is not happy or excited about it so yeah i thought that was a very cool thing that i saw and i think it's just a, a phenomenal um example of what i call servant leadership right you said uh that you work for them and i think you absolutely saw that like just the emotion the video is it's on youtube i think i saw yeah. the video um just the level of emotion it was like real it wasn't like canned like hey come our company's the greatest it was like like wow. I got emotional watching. I'm like, man, that's cool. <laughs> I did too. Like, I wanted to go. I wanted to go throw a roof on a house after watching that. But yeah, you see that often too. Like you know, Martin will share things and like I know one. I saw something a couple weeks ago. You gave somebody a cell phone. I like got a new iPhone 13. Um, you know, so that's something that it's is not is is a norm with with what you do. It's not something that he just does. I mean, 
you do it often, things like that. Yeah, and I got a quick story I can tell you about this. It was parking cars, okay? The, the mindset for this came from, from parking cars. You learn lessons everywhere you're talking about. But this one guy, okay, it's bike week. There's bikes everywhere. We can't, there's no place anywhere to park cars. And this guy's coming with his car. He said, I want to park right there. And the, the front door is right here. And he said, I want to park right there. There's no way, like, bikes are everywhere. I can't do anything. He's like, man, I need you to park my car right here. And I'm going to give you a hundred bucks. Like, Okay, I don't care. I can't park your car there. I'm gonna get fired. He's like, all right. And then he gets this, he saw in my face, like I'm not committed to it. So he gets a hundred dollars out. I'm like, all right, a little bit more committed, but I'm still like, <laughs> unless you give it to me right now, my mind. Like, and he goes like this, I'm gonna give it to you. And he looks in my eyes, I'm like, okay, maybe. He's like, you know what? I don't think you're gonna give it to me. You're ripping half. Like, ah, gives me half. I'm like, now I really got to park his car there somehow. And a hundred bucks to park a car two feet. Yeah. That's good, the good wage. So he came back out and uh, he didn't give me the other hundred part. I'm just kidding. He gave me the other part, so I got a hundred bucks out of it. But let's so you had to tape it together. Yeah, I got to tape it together. So I go to the bank. You know what do you do? You're breaking the federal law or something, right? So, but uh, the lesson here is this: what you're talking about. People were so like leadership. I've seen this mistake a lot. It it worked for for me. I don't know if it works for everybody else, but we wait for the employees to do something good. To hey, want that salesman starting doing great? Maybe we wrap his truck. He's got to earn it. If you hire people, you got to believe in them, right? It was so throughout their uh, recruiting. I'm hiring people. I'm going to give them the, all the tools to succeed. And then when they, they're going to perform, they don't perform, they're the wrong people. If they abuse because we give them an iPhone or a truck, they abuse it, they're the wrong people. Let them yep, go. Right. But give them so they can be, wow, you really trust me, Travis. That's incredible. Thank you so much. There is so much energy coming the momentum so positive stay away from cortisol for uh, adrenaline all this it's got to be positive all the time yeah and people tell me martin you're so positive i don't it's not about positivity you feel outstanding all the time yes but it's about positive results you know when you start winning somebody's excited about work they're going to go a little extra hard they're going to make yeah. an extra phone call we're going to start winning sell more roofs more better installation so everybody it's like playing, you, you ever watched the, the Ryder Cup, right? You watch yeah. a golf tournament, it's great. You watch the Ryder Cup, the team that wins, they're jumping around. Yeah. You've never seen like golfers jumping around, you so excited, they hug each other because they're winning. Right? Yeah. And you see the other team, what they're doing, they're crying. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think that's that was my analogy that see like, okay, give out front. Don't wait for them to do good things. Believe in your team. Yeah, and that's it, infectious too. Yeah, and, and also doing that, you know, in recruiting as well. Obviously not giving stuff out before they get there, but have them have they they'll know how it feels before they come on board so give them that experience you know before they actually come on board and it's kind of the same thing where you know give them the experience of being a part of the company before they're even there um that's you know something something we do and try to do pretty similar in the in the recruiting process and all that that's awesome yeah it's almost there's a lot of times they're not getting that support where they are i've had agents reach out to me from other companies and ask me questions right it's almost like a question they would ask a, you know, their broker owner or something like that. And it's like, you're giving, giving them that value to show them that experience before they get here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, I saw this somewhere. Um, it was saying like somebody that makes over, it probably changed now with inflation, but they said that about $65,000 money is not the number one thing. They want to have like some time um, off. They can manage their, 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 their job. The job description is not so overwhelming. Like they have two, three things that they're responsible for. Um, they get a great culture. They have a growth opportunity. I think they're looking for that more than the financial side. 
and people want to feel valued too. And I think that's kind of what you talked about, like kind of valuing, valuing them on the front side. Like, Hey, we see all this potential in you. That's, you know, people want to feel important. They want to feel, Hey, wow, Martin, the owner of the company just took all that time to do whatever. Like people, people are going to pay that back. You know, like or pay that forward, whatever that looks like. Yep. I think that's important. Talk to me about the roofing machine, Martin. That's a book you wrote. How long ago did you write that book? Oh, it took me a little while to write it, but, uh, my, 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 I realized my English is uh, not as good as I, as I want to, but it was about a year, a year and a half ago I started, um, and it took me about uh, four months, really three months to write it, and then uh, publish it took a couple months, yes. But it, it came out in December. So talk about that book. What what inspired it, and you know what what's it what's it entail? So, so one question: did did it have to was did it did it have to be edited at all when you finished it? Nope. Uh, right, straight, right straight, straight straight to French. French. <laughs> We just translated in Spanish, actually. <laughs> it's not out yet, but it's it's in Spanish now. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, it was in English, not in French yet. It's uh, it's coming out in French. I promise. Now we made a promise. Uh, yeah, just um, just we talk about. We said talk is cheap. Everybody wants to help. Like, what do you do to help the real estate industry? You help a lot. You donate your time. Like donating you. I know you get some some uh, payments for that in your time, but you have really helped impact in the industry. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And, and it's like sharing. I mean, when we share, like you said earlier, you know, you're worried about sharing stuff to competition. But at the end of the day, like with Reef Impact, you realize a lot of times you share a lot of things. If you share all these things, how many people are really going to go through the pain to implement them? Right. You know, go through the pain, the steps, the time and everything else. <clears throat> so for me, like people ask me, why do you share all these things? I'm like, because I want to help. I do want to help the industry, but I also realize that, I mean, how many people are actually going to take the time to do it? Yeah. In uh, yes, in the book, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of time. And again, I'm like, okay, what can I do? And I told uh, my wife about this. She start laughing. She's like, Martin, you don't even speak English. How are you going to write a book now? You know, and you're working 80 hours a week. When are you going to do it? So there was a lot of late nights, and, and I'm not a good writer. Like uh, I don't really. So it takes a little bit of time to get in the momentum, the zone. Um, but yeah, it was really to impact the industry to, to teach my story about what how we became successful. And I know hopefully somebody reads it and they can, there's no roofing. There's a couple of roofing books, but really the, like I'm teaching a lot of house in that book. Like there's actual structure. What do your business should look like at three, six, 12 million? Like it's almost too much. Uh, sometimes I feel like, because there's a lot of information. It's a small book. It's only 20 pages, easy to read. It's on Amazon, by the way, you can get it. It's, it's free if you have a Kindle uh, account. And then if you have, the I have Apple, a copy. Yeah. You have a copy, yes. <laughs> so really, it's it's you view that book as a, as a framework if you were interested in starting that type of business. Yeah, and I feel like we are all like uh, contractors, especially. You talk about this, like we compare it to ourselves with where we see in the area. We all like we all courageous, but we tend to comply with other people. Where yeah. this book is like, okay, it's different from what I know. There's other companies that doing that do this or even better. That's for sure. But it gives a different aspect of how it should be done. Um, and that, that's why it's so powerful. Like, don't comply with what you see because there's so much 1099, 1099s, uh, uh, door-to-door aspect. We don't really push that that much. One, build your business that's sustainable, that you can duplicate in other location if you want to. But it's it's like the model of a franchise. That's great. And that, I assume, led to what we mentioned early, earlier, the Riva Impact? Yep. In Riva, like Monarch Roofing Brands, we start coaching um all three locations through this and then we changed the name we actually made it public to everybody we trained monarch roofing it's working beta tested like all right what's our next step let's go 50 states let's start a new company and we have it didn't 
take too long just coming coming up with a, a name and really make it uh to other people now it's available where we do teach process procedure really everything to build your business so how did y'all come up with reva reva is a guiding star so we're trying to guide roofing contractors with uh, roofing i like that i heard a story too my final question for you i heard a story too where did you come up with the name monarch Monarch, it's, uh, what'd you hear about this story? <laughs> a story I heard is you didn't know what to call your company. Mm-hmm. So you started Googling stuff and, yeah. okay, I'll let you tell it. Yeah, no, sorry. It was a FedEx skin <laughs> here in Myrtle Beach. Yeah. So I just went there and started Googling names and, and I'm like, okay, totally stereotyping contractor. I don't know what we're looking for, but I'm looking, okay. There are contractors, not homeowners, but contractors are usually stereotyping their Italian white well italian so i put into google translator uh the best and i, I put a couple of names in there but it was really quick it was like five minutes the best and i put the king and then uh, monarch came in in italian so i started reading it said monarchy kings like that's perfect that's what it would be the best of roofing monarchs and then the crown came out from this yeah um like hey, so it, it was monarch construction at first um, when we started a lot of uh, evolution it was it was actually black and white and then we introduced the blue because we always wore blue shirts uh, Martin, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you, they had questions about Reva, the roofing machine, just questions about business in general. What's the best way somebody could contact you? Uh, LinkedIn is great. If you go on LinkedIn, you can find me at Mark, uh, Martin Pettigrew or the roofing machine uh, on Instagram. Instagram would probably be best with uh, Reva Impact or Monarch Roofing, but Reva Impact is probably the best or, or Facebook, same thing. All right. Preston, you have anything else? Sure, man. Martin, right. I appreciate it, man. This was great. I I don't necessarily need the help with business, but my golf game is terrible. <laughs> Would you help me be a better golfer? Talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Not me either. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening to the Process Podcast. Have a great week. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk to you soon.